and thankfully he got enough uh, Narcan in him to to bring him back. But then, uh, and that's fine. Like I I I honestly don't care. You want to use drugs and kill yourself that way? That's fine. Just don't do it while I'm working. Well, hello, everybody. Mike's like trying to deep throat a Boston logger here, and he completely bad time for my beer to be pouring over his duties of welcoming everybody to the show. So I guess I'll take it over. Welcome to the Handcuffs and Sawdust podcast. I what episode are we in? Out of like twenty or something. Twenty. It's not a quiz, Mike. Let me do my. Th- I'm a peacock. You got to let me fly, okay? <laughs> Welcome to the show. That idiot over there is Mike Marazzo. I'm Brandon Silvera. And hi. Hi, Jesus. <laughs> How you doing? Uh, well, honestly, or Yeah, no, we don't uh we don't sugarcoat shit on this show. Yeah, well, so. uh well, to put it bluntly, I'm pissed off. I saw that yeah. in our Instagram live. Yeah. Had a l- what's got your ear, ire? How's that, whatever, how's that <laughs> worded? I was going to go with, like, what's got my goat or what grinds my gears. Yeah. Okay. You know what grinds my gears, Mike? What? It's when we used to have a policy as a country of we do not negotiate with terrorists, and then we come into this century, and now we're negotiating with terrorists. And Did we negotiate or just give up shit? Well, we negotiated under under Trump. And then under Biden, we we just gave them things. Well, not necessarily gave, like directly gave them. It's not like we said, "Hey, here, here, Taliban, have this." It was more like, "Hey, we're gonna give it to a group of people that we know don't have the stomach for a fight, and they're gonna leave it laying around, and we're not gonna go pick it up." And then, so maybe, and then we're gonna leave. In the military, you can help me with that. And then we're gonna leave thousands of. American citizens and people who, at great risk to their life and the life of their families, decided to help us. And then we're going to leave them more or less high and dry while we sit there and watch people get blown up. And fall off the side of airplanes as they're taking off. Because they're that desperate. I don't know what that was about. They're that desperate to get away from the Taliban. It's it's that simple. Yeah. Because it's a terrorist organization. It's not a government. Didn't Tom Cruise do that, though, on one of his movies? He held on to the side of an airplane? Yeah. So maybe they saw that movie? They saw Mission Impossible. I, I forget one which those, iteration yeah. it was, but yeah. Right. And they thought maybe they could do it, but those straps just weren't strong enough or their grip wasn't. Yeah. And it didn't work well, so... I didn't, like I told you in our pre-life, I had no idea what was happening today because I was sleeping because I sleep during the day. Yeah. I got home as that news was breaking, as we were finding out that not only had there been a suicide bombing at the Kabul airport. Kabul or Kabul? Kabul, Kabul, potato, potato. Okay. Um, but we had also lost Americans as well as Afghan civilians, so... As it stands now, we're at 13 dead American service members, 
and I believe 60 Afghan civilians, including children, by the way. And 60. 60. 60 plus. And the president, I'll give him this, he at least came out and said, we'll hunt you down and make you pay. Did he? I didn't yeah, see that. He, he like said, came out around 5 Eastern and, and had a, a short speech where it looked like he was on the verge of tears the entire time and looked incredibly weak. So my big thing, and I think the big thing with a lot of veterans, uh, at least a lot of the veterans that I've talked to, because I, I know I mentioned it during the pre-show, my phone has been hot to the touch um, because I've been in contact with guys that have been in Afghanistan. Uh, I have friends that have died in Afghanistan. And they are struggling, the ones that have come back. They're having a hard time with this. And the big thing, like military has kind of got two, two big rules, right? One is we don't negotiate with terrorists, right? I think that's been pretty universal since, you know, my entire life. Um, but we also don't leave anybody behind. Like we take that shit personally. So to not move heaven and earth to go get our people and the people who, quite frankly, saved American lives during the past 20 years is just un- unfathomable to us. I don't, I don't understand how you sleep knowing that there are thousands, tens of thousands of Americans and American allies that are sitting there terrified. They are terrified that they are going to be hunted down and beheaded. And as an administration, you sit there and you say, no, everything's fine. We're going to get out everybody who wants to get out. And I've, I've noticed that they've used that messaging, right? Anyone who wants to get out so that any American that stays there that they can't get to or they refuse to get to, that can't get to the airport, that can't make it past the Taliban checkpoints that are set up 360 degrees around that airport, those ones that died, they're going to say, well, they didn't want to leave. That I can already tell you that's what's going to happen. And then to find out that they're giving a tal- the Taliban a list of names of people so that when they show up to the checkpoint, you know, we're going to trust that the Taliban will let them through and not kill them. I don't understand the naivety of these people. I do not, cannot wrap my tiny little brain around it because what we what we should be doing is we should immediately secure routes safe secure passage to the airport and anybody that stands in opposition of that should be killed anybody who tries to interfere with the rescue operation of American citizens and American allies should be killed Anybody who attacks an American serviceman or an American civilian or an Afghan ally should be killed. Anybody who tries to interfere with planes landing into that airfield should be killed. And then once we get all of our people out, we destroy every piece of equipment that we left behind. Just like in Jocko's little uh, video he put out there. He hit the nail on the head. Anybody seen in close proximity to these weapons, guarding these weapons or using these weapons, will be killed. Simple as that. For people that don't know 
who Jocko is, please let them know so they can check that out. So Jocko Wilnick is a former SEAL Team commander. Uh, he has his own podcast. I think it's just called like the Jocko Show or something like that. Um, he's the author of Extreme Ownership. And I think he's one of the owners of Echelon Front that goes through and teaches uh, leadership classes to uh, people who need leadership skills, which I would argue uh, should be every single member of Congress and the current presidential administration, because so far I have seen absolutely zero leadership from anybody in elected office in Washington, in the state of California, in Santa Clara County, in San Benito County, and in several in towns. Cook County. Well, I can't speak to Cook County because I, I don't. I can. I don't deal with that. I deal with Santa Clara and San Benito County, and I can so tell I'm you there is you. absolutely no leadership. Like it's, it's a pandemic that way. Yeah, leadership pandemic. There's not. There's not a ton that gets me super fired up. This gets me super fired up. Like it got me riled up to the point I wrote all three of my. Uh, Federal representatives, both senators, and my congressional rep. First time. I've never done that, but good for you for doing that. Well, I, I went on a Facebook rant, too, of like kind of calling out this, quote, silent majority that we always hear so much about. Of like, oh, the silent majority is with you. Well, it's time for you to get a little loud. Yeah, stop like, being so silent. When is enough enough? How many lives? How many lives do we have to lose? How many atrocities have to happen before you get off your ass? Before you do something? Before you get out of your comfortable little bubble where all you care about is yourself and how you appear to everybody else on your friends list? Because God forbid, God forbid somebody unfriend you because you have the backbone to stand up for what you believe in. I know there's people out there that do uh, so that do unfriend you for your political beliefs and they're the first ones to say that we should be able to freely express, express ourselves. ourselves right yet as long as you agree with them right and one of my buddies at work that I speak about on this podcast quite a bit drew he's a young guy he's been on our department four years came out of the University of Wisconsin He's a badger, and he had a lot of friends up there. But as soon as he put that uniform on and they started seeing him as a police officer, and these were people that were his good friends, gone. Just completely, they don't agree with law enforcement views and all that other bullshit. And I said to him, then they weren't your friends. Yeah. They were posers. I've had family members that I haven't talked to. Since the riots, I've had people, I, I went and looked uh, today. I've, I've had several people unfollow me on Instagram and uh, unfriend me on Facebook. Because today, like, I kind of wrote, reached, my bre reached my breaking point today to where I, like, I try to stay pretty apolitical about things. I, I kind of think politics and religion go hand in hand of like kind of keep keep it to yourself nobody really cares what you think but when it comes to this like we're 
we're witnessing one of the greatest failures in international politics in world history. This is, like, we thought Benghazi was pretty bad, right? This is worse. We thought the fall of Saigon was pretty bad. Granted, I wasn't around to see that firsthand. I would argue that this is worse. This withdrawal has been an unmitigated failure. And I I even agree with Biden on some things that we should probably, like, it's time. We're like, it's time to leave. But the way you do things matters. You don't just leave your allies high and dry. You don't leave your citizens high and dry. You get them out. Then you pull your equipment out. And then you pull the military out. Now, the equipment I can kind of understand because we were giving that to the Afghan National Army. That was stuff that we gave them. And it was all really nice 21st century war fighting stuff. Yeah. But you're telling me you didn't know that they were, I mean, it's been 20 years. You didn't know that they didn't have the stomach for this fight? In the history of the world, people have tried to go go and conquer Afghanistan time and time again. And time and time again, Everybody has failed. Maybe we just leave it alone. We we went in there with a singular reason to kill Osama bin Laden. Anybody that had a that had a hand in nine eleven, we did that. We tried, I guess, to learn from how we left things in the eighties when we helped the Mujahideen uh, get the Soviets out of there, and then we left them high and dry with no education or anything like that, and created Osama bin Laden? How many bin Ladens did we just create over the last two weeks? Something to think about. Okay, I'm, I'm going to get off my soapbox because I could go down the rabbit hole and we could do an entire show on this. <laughs> well, I like the feedback from a veteran of your, like yourself, so, you know. It, it affects all of us as Americans, but it hits home harder to you guys and women that served our country. And it has to be said. So, so I will say this before, I, before we completely turn the page. If you know anybody that has served in the military, any branch, Coast Guard, Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, Space Force, I guess, since 2001, reach out because they're hurting. I've I've reached out to probably no less than 50 people and all of them said the same thing like this one hits this one hits harder. So reach out the the text you send could save a life. And and that's not hyperbole or me being dramatic. It it literally could you could literally prevent a suicide. Right. Right. All right. So you've blamed me in the past for being heavy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm normally yeah. heavy at the not easy more the middle of the show. Not easy to segue from that, is it, Mike? No, as I have another <laughs> sip of my beer. Yeah, take a pull off of that. Gather your thoughts. All right. So I have one one piece of housekeeping. Housekeeping? 
Is it house- housekeeping? Is it housekeeping for your house cleaning? Housekeeping. So last week I spoke of the car that my uncle told me was a 1958 Edsel, but I was so tired when we recorded the episode that I said that the grill of the vehicle or the the dashboard of the vehicle looked like a vagina. It would have been hard to see the dashboard because he sent a picture of the front of the car, which was actually the grill of the vehicle that he thinks looks like a vagina, prompting him to be banned from Facebook for sexual violence promotion, whatever. So just get that out of the way. Just to set the record straight. I like setting the record straight. Well, All right, so I'm, how was your week at work? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it's been, uh, I so I'm super tired this week. Yeah. And I'll, I'll explain why. And this, like, I think it's, I don't know if important's the right word, but I think it gives people an, an insight into just that cops are human, right? So uh, I'm not going to get into exactly what, the uh, family emergency was um, that we are currently still still dealing with as a family, but uh, my wife had to go out of town on Sunday night. I, I, I work Sunday night, for those of you playing at home. Uh, so I was already set to work a midnight shift that night, and uh, I am always of the opinion that your family should come first above all else. In, in my own personal pecking order, God, family, country, then job. Four. Yeah, well, yeah, it's... It, again, oh, it's like, I just it's watched like a few a, good yeah, men. It's, it's, it's like a... It, it's a military thing. God, family, country. Like, that's kind of the thing. Yeah. Because America's pretty dope. Even though it's run by dopes. <laughs> Hold on. Waiting for it. <laughs> Wait. There we go. I caught I caught him right I caught him off guard. He didn't know that was coming. So uh wife had to go out of town to uh deal with some family stuff. So naturally I call out because I'm gonna stay home, take care of the kids. We got three kids. We got school stuff coming up on Monday, plus a, a toddler that needs to be cared for and two dogs. So call out. That's what you got sick days for, right? So my body, however, was rearing to go. And uh, the day starts at 6.45 <laughs> in in the a.m. In the morning. Yeah. So uh, on next to no sleep, uh, running kids around, going through the morning routine. Uh, uh, wife gets home midday. I, of course, can't fall asleep to take a nap, go to work, completely just gassed. And then that kind of sets the tone for the rest of your week. And then on my Friday, I had to go in two hours early to do what's um, called like trauma-informed care. So basically, it's a class that tells you, hey, you're exposed to a shitload of trauma. Please don't kill yourself. Headline. Yeah. So it was good stuff. Like they give you some good like resources. Like, hey, if you do need to reach out to talk to somebody, here, here's all these things that you, know, you can do. So... Uh, we had, and, and of course, when stuff like this is going on, like worldwide, that frustrates you. Like naturally, there's going to be some things that happen on a smaller scale that frustrate you. So I'm guilty of not having the most patience with homeless people. 
especially the ones who has deal with drug addiction and alcoholism and more or less choose to be homeless because there's enough homeless services out there that all you really have to do is say, hey, I don't want to be homeless anymore. And guess what? You won't be homeless. They'll like There are so many organizations and programs out there that will help you out if you just don't want to be homeless. So uh, we get a call of a male passed out in a tent, not conscious, not breathing. His girlfriend thinks that he's OD'd. So we fly over there, and sure enough, he ain't conscious and he ain't breathing. Is the needle sticking out of his arm? No, no. He snorted what he thought was cocaine. However, it was... What was it, Brian? Brandon? <laughs> From right there, I thought Brian Luke just joined us. Who the fuck's Brian? <laughs> so, um, and I don't know if you guys have this problem out in Illinois, but in California, especially lately, we've seen a huge increase in uh, fentanyl uh, overdoses. People are using it to step on meth. And apparently now they're selling it as cocaine. So this dude ripped a big old gator tail of fentanyl. And thankfully, he got enough uh, Narcan in him to, to bring him back. But then, uh, and that's fine. Like, I, I, I honestly don't care. You want to use drugs and kill yourself that way, that's fine. Just don't do it while I'm working. Because it's, it's, it's kind of a pain in the ass for us. Like, it's a long process. We have to call the coroner, have to wait for the coroner to come out collect you and all all this other stuff it's just it's a giant pain so just do your drugs responsibly <laughs> there's if there is such a, a thing, thing. <laughs> so i start walking down the homeless camp going hey look i don't care who has dope on them right now what i care is where did he get his dope from because it wasn't coke, it was fentanyl. And I've dealt with three overdoses in the last two weeks. And they've all been fentanyl related. So and you had those people that yeah, and, were and the brother, doing fentanyl. And the brothers that weren't that yeah. were just doing fentanyl, man. So that's what I want. I want the asshole that's putting fentanyl out on the street. And I... I must ask about a half dozen homeless folks in this camp. Hey, where did he get his dope? Oh, man, you know we can't tell you that. Dude, I'm not asking you to tell me it was John Smith that lives over at 123 Main Street. Just point me in the direction. I'll figure it out. And then I give them the obligatory, like, hey, just freaking be careful because there's fentanyl in this shit. I'm tired of going to ODs. So it frustrates me when you're trying to help people and they refuse to be a part of the solution. So it used to frustrate me. Now I don't give a fuck. Well, it's still it's still frustrating for me because and it should be because you're relatively new on the job. Yeah, but I and I hopeful hope you never lose that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's it is dwindling though because there's so many times where it's just like god dang, man, like help us out a little bit. And it's, I, I think that's why cops get so jaded is we get so tired of everybody just going, fix it. 
is is broke. Fix it. On your own. Yeah. Without my help. I'm not going to help you. I'm going to give you this problem. I'm going to give you right. this this uh, kid that's 15 years old that I have screwed up over the course of 15 years. I would like you to fix it in 15 minutes. Like This shit can't be done. I can tell you the things that you need to do to reestablish dominance as a parent. Whether or not you do it is up to you. And the other thing was, so I hate, hate the fact that um, domestic violence laws in California mandate that we shall make an arrest. Because sometimes you make an arrest and you feel dirty. So it was, even, it was last night, got a call. Male would like to report domestic violence. His soon-to-be ex-wife ripped his chain off his neck, scratching him, causing injury, and prevented him from seeing his children and being the loving father that he is. Yeah. So, we show up, tells us the story, and, and essentially the story was, I was there to see my kids. She said, no, you can't see your kids. I went to leave. She then blocked my pathway, grabbed my chain, yanked it off, causing a scratch to my collarbone, and then I left. Okay, what's she going to say? Because I'm going to go talk to her. Well, I don't know. So, and he, he, to his credit, does have a little scratch. So he has an injury consistent with what his story is. Okay. Yeah, the way the law is written, that is felony domestic violence. Felony? Letter of the law. Domestic, domestic violence, like they meet the criteria for the domestic partnership, violence that causes a visible traumatic injury, which is a visible injury, is treated as felony domestic violence. Now, I don't think this case will even get filed. And if it does, it'll get pled down to misdemeanor domestic violence. Because there ain't no way I have faith... <laughs> that no DA will try to get a felony conviction out of this. I have faith. Most, most if one does, he needs to be hit upside the head with his law book. Yeah. Most of the, uh, the family violence district attorneys are pretty solid people. So I have faith. So my partner and I go over to the ex-wife's house. Have her come out. Hey, tell us about the argument you had with your husband. And she tells us, yeah, we got into an argument. He started walking towards me, and I put my hand out to keep him at a distance. And my ring got caught in his chain. And then when I pulled my hand away, it pulled his chain off. Total and my tiny nail scratched him. Totally plausible. On accident. Totally plausible. However, <laughs> he's got the injury, and it's consistent with his story. That she's corroborating. So, she's got to go. Who has the kids? Uh, thankfully, they have an adult son that's 23 years old that we left okay. the younger kids with because I was not, like, I, I don't believe this guy. I think he forced the confrontation and took advantage of that situation. Oh, wow. Right. So, 
uh, I wasn't about to call him and say, hey, you can come get your kids. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. They're asleep. They're going to stay with Big Brother. And then maybe you and Big Brother can talk tomorrow and come to some sort of resolution. Because I honestly think Big Brother's going to beat the crap out of Dad. And I'm kind of okay with that. So, yeah. It was one of those afters. I was talking to my partner, too, and he's like, I just don't feel good about that. Yeah, neither do I. Like, that's... Sometimes we have to do that stuff that we don't want to do because it's ordered upon us by law. Yeah. And that's, we had to, we were explaining, thankfully, uh, the oldest son was super understanding because we told him, like, dude, like, we're bound by law. Like, if we don't arrest your mom, we could be charged with a crime. So she's got to go. She won't be in jail long because, thankfully, COVID, like, they don't keep anybody. See, if we did that, they'd still be in our holding because he can't bond out because it's domestic battery. Then they have to go for a bond hearing at county, which they would most likely give them an I-bond, signature bond, a recognizance bond. But they can't return home for 72 hours if that person lives in that house. Yeah, this guy doesn't live there. Um, okay. But so the way, the way it works for us is like we don't have the staffing for a uh, – a holding cell. So thankfully, like we're on the same city block as county as jail. County jail. So we just go take them there, drop them off. She'll get fingerprinted, picture taken. And then because it's felony domestic violence, there's some, there's some offenses that you deal with enough that you know what the bail schedule is for all that. And for COVID, it's been pretty simple. It's a uh, zero. So, but with felony domestic violence, you have to see a magistrate. So she's got to see a judge. The only thing I don't know is if they had a night judge on call that could arraign her that night, or if she was going to have to wait until the morning and see a judge then. So hopefully she saw a judge last night and was out early this morning. That's what I'm hoping, because she works three jobs to support her three boys. And it's just, yeah, it just sucks, man. I was going to make a night court reference. Yeah, night court. I didn't know if you'd even know what that is. I know what it is. I don't think I've seen more than like one or two episodes in my entire life, but I I know what it is. Okay. Because that would have been, Judge Harry could have presided in the night court last night with Bull and everybody else involved. Is there somewhere that, that I could stream that? I, I think it must be on Hulu or something because I'm currently watching Frasier, which is on Hulu. <laughs> Not currently as we're doing the show, but I'm rewatching the series and I had to find it on Hulu and cheers is on there as well. I watched that's awesome. Cheers on Netflix and then it took it off of Netflix, but it's now on Hulu. Hmm. That was my week in a nutshell, Mike. How was yours? Mine was short because I just worked two nights on my regular job since we last recorded. And then one night at my part-time job, uh, Monday night, Monday and Tuesday night were actually pretty nice at work. I would like to be bored at work every night because that means I'm not fighting people and, you know, getting shot at and everything else, which doesn't happen a lot. But uh, on Monday night, we just had, we had a call for, I was the backup officer for the two zones. So that's either a good thing, like on a Monday, because 
I told you the other day that 60% of our call load we handle by ourselves. Yeah. Noise complaints, domestics, and stuff we send to guys. And the backup guy is always the Rove car. So the Rove guy goes back up to the two zones. And then if zone guy is busy, Rove guy becomes zone guy. So we got a complaint that some woman was threatened physically with violence. Oh, no. And she called on us to tell us that the female woman who did it to her is outside right now drinking and she has video to prove it. Doesn't want to see the police. But how are you going to see the video? Just go talk to the subject for whatever reason. But I don't want to see the police. I don't understand. You know, I, that's when I'm as a, as a call taker goes, the fuck do you want these guys to do? You don't want to go any further with it, but you want them to respond. So we went. Yeah, solve my problem. Right. I made contact with this chick. She's outside having a drink with her daughter, who's like seven or something, and another neighbor. Was the daughter like having chocolate milk? Or no? Or did or did she have or did she have a vodka tonic too? No, she actually was just playing like a seven year old, which was nice to see. And as soon as the police show up, it was a black female, so she goes, "Oh, I know." And she looks at her friend and says, take my daughter out of here. God forbid. Yes. <laughs> Brandon just held up his phone. Uh, God forbid she speaks to the police in front of her daughter and there's not a confrontation. I, I'll, I, I'll, I'll, play, I'll play devil's advocate with you. Okay, because I like when you do that. Okay. So she may know that she has beef with this person that may have line of sight on her. And she knows that she might have, like, there might be a conversation that she doesn't want her daughter to hear, right? So I can understand, like, hey, if this does go the route of me going in handcuffs, I don't want my kid to see that. So I'll just play in devil's advocate with you. Yo, that's good. Uh, here's the first thing I told her when I saw her. Hey, how you doing? Okay. I get the old look of disapproval. That's my We're favorite. Just out thing. here having. Yeah, That's right. I just show up and I'm like, "Hi, how are you?" We're just, we're just having a drink outside. We ain't bothering anybody. I'm like, okay, well, they're in between two gangways of a long apartment buildings, so it echoes a lot, and it's like ten o'clock at night. So I told her, someone in these two buildings, one of these two buildings, made a complaint of some noise. Now. I told you what the call was, but I'm not telling her. Yeah. She doesn't need to know. No. Because the complainant doesn't want to see me. Yeah. If you have an uncooperative, I guess, victim, then no yeah. victim, no crime. Right. So I just told her, you know, hey, can you just keep it down and make sure you guys go in soon? And then right away she goes, oh, I know who it was. It's her. And she's pointing up to the second floor window. And I'm like, oh, why do you say that? Because I said I'd fuck her up. Well, we've been having issues. I'm like, okay. Does she live below you or above you? She's like, no, I live right there. So she lives across the hall from each other. It's problematic. I'm like, is there uh, a possibility that when I leave, you guys have no contact with each other? She goes, I ain't fucking going to go talk to her. That's the right answer. 
I'm out here having a drink with my friends. And then, of course, another neighbor comes down because the police are there. Yeah. Now What's can... going on? So he wants to poke his nose in everybody's business. So she just said nothing. You know, so-and-so called. And I said, come on now. We don't know it was her. I always tell people, like, I have no clue who called. Like, they don't tell me. Right. I say that. They don't believe us. (laughs) Who called? I don't know, man. They don't tell me. Bullshit. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I know exactly who called. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we don't, though, because we do have people that want to stay anonymous. Yeah. And I told you, by Illinois law, then we don't have to go on those calls. That's awesome. I wish. Yeah. I wish that was a California law. Name and date of birth. (laughs) Yeah. No contact information. No, we don't have to go. So anyways, that ended fine. I looked at Gio because it was his call, but I had already like solved it before he walked up. And I looked at him and I go, we're just, I looked at her and I said, okay, cool. Don't talk to her. Keep it down so you don't bother anybody. We're going to go. And I looked at him and I said, is that cool with you? It's your call. He goes, yeah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so as we're walking away, she's like, I want your names. So we give her our names. Now, why do, you, reason. now why do you want to go and do that? <laughs> because she had said, Oh, we deal with y'all all the time. And I go, I've never met you. I don't even know who you are. It's like Thanos when in the <laughs> final movie and the what's her name? Scarlet Witch goes, you took everything from me. And he goes, I, I don't, don't even, even know who the fuck you are. I don't even know who you are. Right. So we walked away from that. That was that was nice. Then we had the annual anyone who lives in an apartment complaint that the kids are running on the floor above us. Oh, I hate that. I've yelled at those people. Like, I won't go up to the apartment where the kids are. I will go to the person complaining. I go, are they making the noise right now? Uh, yeah, they, they were just, just right now. Cool. Let me hear it. How old are they? I think they're like five, six. I'm like, yeah, it's called being a kid. You can buy earplugs at Walmart for like a dollar. Or move to a house. Because here's my deal with apartment life. Well, I can't tell people just move into a house in the middle of no, the, you can't the San Francisco but, Bay Area because, dude, with a million dollar, two I, million dollar house, I I'm paid well, okay, like I'm pay, I'm paid real well, and I cannot afford a house in the community right, well, that I police. That's my point to these people: is you live in an apartment, and I grew up in apartments. I know what I'm talking about. Walls and floors are thin. You're going to hear people yelling, screaming, fighting, throwing, bouncing, jumping, skipping, hopping, all that stuff. It's part of apartment life. Screwing. Right. So I'm not going to knock on those doors either. But it wasn't my call. Danny went up to talk to the people whose kids were running around. I'm like, all right. So they answered the door. They were older children, maybe preteens. Asked to speak to a parent parent came to the door he said it's 10 o'clock i know you have a full house just hoping you can kind of not run back and forth and keep it down so then we went back down to speak to the people again the complainants and he told them listen there's really not much we can do it's not they're not purposely doing it they're just living their lives with children in their home and they're walking above your head so yeah Kind of have to deal with it. I went to one of those calls with a, a younger. I feel weird saying that because I only have three years on. <laughs> yeah. But a younger officer. But a younger officer, even younger than me, not just in age, but experience. And he was like, okay, we're going to go up there and talk to the, the family. I'm 
I, hey, dude, your call. It's your call. I will back you until we are going to get sued. <laughs> right. And we went up there, and like it was a bunch of, it was like a six year old and an eight year old, and they were playing like Nerf Wars. Nice. So we, we, we played with them. <laughs> awesome. Make the loud noise yeah. worse. So then we went down, and we're like, yeah, we talked to them. Uh, I, I couldn't help myself. I go, yeah, those kids are really fun. I know. I got it. I'm the same way. I was like, oh, that was all you guys make? All-? Yeah, that was us making that noise. Get over it. We were playing Nerf Wars. They have like eight Nerf guns. It was amazing. You try doing John Woo stuff where you're diving, yeah. shooting at two hands. <laughs> well, and I, then I started telling them that I had a, uh, a Nerf minigun. That just, it was belt fed and just boom, 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 boom. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but. Well, in <laughs> reference to talking to people that complain about noise. Yeah. No, I the just new guy I, wanted to go talk to yeah. him. Yeah. So I, I ended up telling the person that called, like, dude, get over it. They're kids. Find yeah, something let, else be to be miserable about. You're lucky they're not throwing rocks through your windows. That's what I always tell people. We got downstairs, and I told my buddy, I go, that's why I don't go up to the, the parent house. I yell at the RP, and then I leave. <laughs> the last um, department I worked at, it's out in the country, and a lot of lakes and stuff around the homes that they build, they you know put lakes in and stuff. And we had a call one night of, there's kids in my yard, and they're fishing for frogs. While all these backyards, they go towards the lake but there is like an easement around the lake hmm. where you anybody can walk there it's it belongs to the subdivision and if you live in the subdivision you can walk around this lake yeah, you even though there's someone's the house up there right so we had to go out there and all these kids were doing they had a pole with a net and they were catching frogs catching frogs and i said to the complainants i'm like would you rather these kids be throwing shit through your windows well, no, we don't want that. I go, they're just being kids. Leave them alone. It's not even past curfew. What do you think they're going to do when I tell them that you called the police on them because they were catching frogs? I guarantee you there will be a burning bag of crap on your doorstep. On your front door. Don't step on it, to put it out. And I know this because I will tell them about this. Right. You know what you do, kids? Get a big bag of poop. We know a thing or two because we've done a thing or two. Right. You and the guy from Farmer's Insurance. No, no, no. I changed it up. (laughs) Not because I've seen a thing or two. Because I've done a thing or two. done a thing or two. Yeah. You don't want to get into my childhood. Just kidding. I definitely have never, ever done that. Right. Because that would be wrong. Anybody who did a previous background check on me, I'm just embellishing for the show. This is all for entertainment purposes only. So I like to do a mileage run. That's where we pretend like we were patrolling, but we just do like an outskirts of town on highways and we don't actually go into the neighborhood to see stuff. <laughs> so usually at like one thirty in the morning, traffic, you know, is calmed down. And I like to drive along the airport and into the next city that's north of me and then east towards the other big city that's next to me and then south. And then so put on some tunes the windows down so i'm cruising north on this big major road where it's 55 miles an hour and i'm coming up to an intersection so there's 
three lanes northbound, two lanes left-hand turn lane, one lane right-hand turn lane, and then five lanes southbound. So it's a big road, you know. And I see this guy in a van in front of me. He's cruising along at 55, puts his signal on, which was really nice, into to the right, and he he just goes into the right-hand turn lane, has a signal on, and stops. He's in the right-hand turn lane, approximately eh, 200, 300 feet south of the light, and he just stops there. So I'm like, okay. So I pull up next to him and put my backlights on so I don't get hit by a drunk driver. I'm like, hey, how you doing? He rolls down his window. He looks at me. Hi. I'm like, hi. What are you doing? Oh, I'm an Uber driver, and I'm just waiting for my fare. I go, you know you're parked in a turn lane on a state highway. <laughs> yeah. I go, you can't. What? Yeah, what? You that, can't do that. That doesn't seem odd to you? <laughs> I'm like, listen, man, there's an empty McDonald's right there. There's three hotels right here. Can you please get off the road so you don't get rear-ended by a drunk guy driving a truck? What? I don't get it, Brandon. I just don't get it. Okay. No, it's okay. I'm I'm an Uber driver. You see, I that that exempts them from any and all traffic laws. God forbid any member of my family ever rides in this guy's car. <laughs> right? Well, I never might never make it home. We had an Uber driver in uh, San Diego. He put up one of those plastic partitions in his car. Yeah, to separate like front and back, which is fine. So COVID can't get to him. Yeah. It definitely can't go over or under. Right. Uh, but the miserable thing about that was... You can't see behind you? No. It was that it blocked the air conditioning. <laughs> oh, those poor people in the back. Yeah. Mainly me and my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and th- th- Which made it... I was a little bit okay when he ran the red light close to the hotel. I was like, dude, just go so I can get out just of this damn get. car. <laughs> Matter of fact, hold my badge out the window so we don't get stopped <laughs> while you do it. Oh man, yeah, dude. I don't the get, badge. I don't get Uber drivers, man. They're not good drivers. Not. I can't say all of them because I was an Uber driver and I'm a fantastic driver. Same here. I once took a prostitute from a John to her pimp. <laughs> While you were still a police officer? No, it was when I was in the hiring process. <laughs> okay, that's. I was a police officer, and I picked up some kid who was just came back from Colorado and growing weed. I'm like, you need to get out of my car. All right, so the highlight of uh, Tuesday, we had a major storm. That wasn't the highlight, but it was. Can, you, can know. you send some of that rain this way? We could. We need it. I would love to maybe help put out those fires as well. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be nice if I could breathe again. But the highlight was we tried Wingstop. It's good. Do you stuff. have Wingstop out by you? Yeah, hell yeah, we do, man. All right, I don't know if they're regional or not. You know, like In and Out Burger. Nowhere around here. That's I wish it was because I'd bad. eat there all the time. I saw one down in San Antonio, and I was, I'm like, oh, my God, there's an In-N-Out burger. It wasn't anywhere near a time I wanted to eat, oh. so I just drove past it. So you did? You did you, oh. We didn't have it. I know. I never, if I see one, I don't pass up the chance to eat one. Yeah, you got you to gotta get on that, man. I know. You could have you had a great chance to get In-N-Out and Whataburger. And finally settle the debate once and for all that In-N-Out is far and away superior to Whataburger. And I will See, fight we had, anybody yeah, that contradicts that. We had that. a Whataburger 
two blocks from our hotel. I've never eaten there, and I didn't want a burger, so I didn't go to the Whataburger. We walked past it every day, but uh, never tried them. But I swear that In-N-Out Burger is like crack. It is me. It's it's like Chick-fil-A. I hate Chick-fil-A. I've never actually had a good chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Your face right now is awesome. Well, this is the final show of the Handcuffs and Sawdust podcast. <laughs> we lasted 20... Well, no, it's not because it's Mike's podcast. So this is the final show that Brandon's going to be a co-host. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. Listen, man, it's I've tried it twice. That is Jesus's chicken. Well, he should send it back because I'm not... I will tell you that I love, <laughs> I love their waffle fries. Other than that, pass. Best best two chicken sandwiches on earth right now are the Popeye's chicken sandwich and the Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. <laughs> Mike, we're going to fight. <laughs> we are going to fight. We're going to throw Listen, down. When I come out by you, I'll bring you a Popeye's chicken sandwich. I've had the Popeye's chicken sandwich. And then you can bring me to some whatever godlike it Chick-fil-A is Chick-fil-A place you want to, but it's always going to be the same to me. Not good. It is heavenly. It is made with love. From Angel's Wings. Yeah. That works. I don't buy it. No. Not feeling it. So anyways, we tried Wingstop. I had my first Wingstop ever. And at first, I had the habanero something or other. And the barbecue. I had 10-piece. The barbecue's solid. It was actually really well. I'm used to eating B-dubs. And those wings seem to be Inferior. B-dubs wings. Well, they're like crispier. So this was the first time I had a wing that was soft. And at first, I'm like, ooh, soft breading. But by the eighth wing, I was like, ooh, soft breading. It was so- like rubber. What you're telling me is at first you're like, ah, oh, yes, yeah, soft. And then later on you're like, I need something hard. Hard. Yeah, exactly. That's weird. So so that was the highlight of Tuesday, Wingstop. So the sergeant goes. Now, did you get the wings or shift. did you get their new uh, thighs? No wings. I had wings. Okay. I haven't tried the thighs yet. They just came out with those. Okay. I won't do dark meat. Pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> I've heard it's all pink on the inside. I don't really know. Anyways. <laughs> if your chicken's pink on the inside, <laughs> it's please not don't good to eat. eat it. Yeah, that's only good for steaks. Um, so the sergeant goes, three of you are eating that? We're like, yeah. We actually had a full shift. For us was five guys because we don't have six on our Also shift. a solid burger. Right. It's just overpriced. And, and the sergeant goes, I, we said, yeah, we, three of us are eating it. And he's like, "I'm next time I'm only demanding that only two of you eat it so we don't have three guys down on the shitter at the same time. <laughs> Wingstop so he was just mad that we didn't shits. offer it for him. It actually did not. I was surprised because I had heard that they're oily or more oily than... And if anybody from Wingstop's listening and would like to sponsor the show, we're good for that. Oh, God. I could eat Wingstop. I, yes. <laughs> if, yeah, if Wingstop, if you're listening and you want to sponsor, I will. Ooh. You got a couple guys that will eat your product. 
going to need a we're going to need a fitness sponsor too cuz I'm going to gain a yeah. lot of weight. <laughs> so at work this is my 60 hour week, right? I'm only off last night and tonight. So last night I thought, why not work another 10 at my side job? Do you hate yourself? I I don't know. I'm thinking I <laughs> apparently I don't want to get in the wood shop. So I worked the gig. It's an overnight at a convention center for a trade show. It's easy money. I brought my computer. I was trying to, you know, I did the rundown for the show tonight and all that kind of stuff. So in the morning, I'm waiting to go home. And I had gotten up at 2 in the afternoon yesterday. So by, I was supposed to be working until 9 in the morning. I was completely exhausted. So I'm sitting in one of the sections that has, is all set up for the, whatever company that was that wants to do a demonstration. And some guy comes sauntering over in a suit and he goes, you got here early because I think the show opened at nine and it was like eight fifteen or whatever. And I said, no, no, I've been here all night. Now I'm wearing black with a badge of gun and cuffs. Maybe he can't see the badge and the gun because I'm sitting in a chair and it's on my right side and he's standing on my left, but I'm wearing a polo. So he goes, yeah, we did some business with you. Like, here we go. This is going to be good. He's talking. He thinks I work for the company. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, re- I totally remember that. Yeah, you were. Uh, they have these. You, you shorted me ten thousand dollars. You gonna make that right? <laughs> they make these big silos. The company that whose booth I'm sitting in, or at, because like there's a a blown up one right behind me, and there's pictures of these big stainless steel silos. So he starts telling me about a story about a customer that bought one of my products. He thought, and it was. There was stuff flaking off inside, and it turned up turned out to be paint. And the whole time, I'm just shaking my head, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you have no mm-hmm. fucking clue what I'm doing here, <laughs> do you? And then he goes, that's why you never paint the inside. Go with stainless steel every time. And I'm like, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> like, right. And then he fucking walked away. I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> he thinks I work for this company. <laughs> so I walked over to the other copper who was working with me, and I go, hey, apparently I just got a job here. He's like, where? I go, that guy thought I worked for this company. People are so stupid. Yeah, that's I we I, case of mistaken identity. Walking out this morning, there was a uh, a kid that's on FTO that's working day shift, and I'm walking out civilian clothes, and he looks at me and he goes, "Have a good night, Sarge." <laughs> Did you automatically grow stripes on your arm? I just looked at him. What? Were you in your uniform? No, was just oh, just so he just, you were in plain clothes yeah. coming in. Yeah, I was no, I was leaving going home you change at work yeah so i know i know his uh his primary fto on midnight so i sent him a text i go hey man your recruit just uh called me sergeant so and he's his issue in the first rotation was um navigation observation skills (laughs) no it was navigation (laughs) so i told him i go look dude i don't care how lost he gets when he comes back to you you pass him He's a good kid. Okay. <laughs> if he's willing to promote me, he's a good kid. Right. That's funny. So that's it for work. And uh, I just wanted to do a couple quick stories real quick before we get to the fallen officers because a few things caught my eye. All right. Quick story number one. Quick story number one. Mayor Turtleface from Chicago. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Right? Have you seen those memes? Yes. It's hilarious. There's a uh, 
Mike the Cop has a podcast out, and they have a shirt with her face on it, and it says, you're making me soft. <laughs> That's funny. Stop promoting other people's podcasts. On uh, podcast. You were promoting Sean Sticks Larson's podcast, so. I just said he had one. I didn't say the name of this one. I just said it's Mike the Cop. Okay. Who I'm trying to get on the show. Yeah, I know. Keep trying harder. Chicago announces COVID vaccine mandate for city workers. The Chicago Fraternal Order of Police, the FOP, which is also the union I belong to, has said it will oppose the vaccine mandate. So they want everyone by October 15th must be fully vaccinated if you're a Chicago worker. Yeah, we're in the middle of that too. We uh, just had, on Monday was the deadline to provide proof of vaccination or to start providing your weekly negative tests. We have a number of officers who are adamantly opposed to the vaccine mandate and approximately 75 that are willing to lose their jobs over it. Now, they did stipulate that if it's medical or religious belief, then you would you have, be okay. You have so to apply how many people are these get for an exemption. Right, you have to, it has to be reviewed. How many of those are going to be up, you know? Well, I think these in guys upper management soon. I think well, none of these guys are they're going to get you know, it, it's I don't it's see how you be, can make someone do something to their body that well, see and I'm normally would be on that side but you know we're mandated to take mmr like hep c like there's a series of vaccinations you we had to get to become cops here for the city i work for Uh, so now that we have my my issue is when you're mandating something that's not received full fda approval which i know the pfizer one has um however the majority of our department received moderna so me too yeah um and I had side effects that were bad enough where I missed two days of work. So, I. it's so freaking complicated that I 100% agree with them that it shouldn't be mandated, especially while not, you know we only have one that has full FDA approval. Uh, but I also see the city's point of, well, sure. you take, you know, you, you had the MMR, you had all this other stuff, What's this one? I mean, these are all FDA approved. So I, I get where they're coming from. I just disagree the way they're going about it because they're mandating a vaccine that's not FDA approved. It's supposed to be flipped. You're supposed to go through, get the FDA approval, then mandate. Right. So it's, and then now the city's starting to pass uh, things like a vaccine passport where to get into a, a city owned building with, at a events of 50 or more, you're going to have to provide proof of vaccination or you will not be allowed in yeah all right which i like and, and i honestly don't know enough about hipaa laws but that feels like it's a violation of HIPAA a violation law. of hipaa law yeah i agree so that's another thing i could get on a soapbox about but i'm, I'm too tired to do that tonight all right get down from the box <laughs> we don't have much time i didn't even get up on the box <laughs> the and box by is the way what the hell is with yeah. the chicago pd and doing the stupid milk crate challenge like, is somebody trying to get killed? Like, to just go unconscious know. and then somebody grab their gun and pop them in the head? Like, luckily her partner caught her. Like, just don't. Why Why are you doing it in the first place? Where was the partner before you got on the damn crates? He was standing right next to it. Dipshit. They're trying to look good in the hood. Don't care. 
So the hoodies, you know, can trust the popo. Oh yeah, standing on a bunch of fucking milk crates. That's gonna yeah, that, hearts and minds, bro. Hearts and minds. All right. Second story <laughs> I heard that caught Sorry. Or read that caught my eye. Got That's a little okay. riled. Man faces felony gun charge less than forty eight hours after having gun case dropped in restorative justice court. Womp womp womp. I still prefer mine. I still prefer mine. Friday was a big day for 21-year-old Amando Rodriguez. Prosecutors wiped his slate clean by dropping four felony gun charges he was facing in Avondale for restorative justice court. Less than 36 hours later, police allegedly found an intoxicated Rodriguez sitting in a car with a gun on his lap at a near Northside gas station. Prosecutors on Sunday charged him with a fresh felony gun charge. This is Cook County. Are they going to let this one go to? I mean, this one's only one gun charge. I mean, they let the, the four-banger go. When Cook County Chief Judge Timothy Evans announced the Avondale Restorative Justice Community Court last summer, which sounds like a bunch of bullshit, he said the court would resolve conflicts through, quote, restorative conferences and peace circles instead of typical criminal court procedures. How's that working out for you? We have, re- we, here, we have recognized for a long time that young people need a second chance. And a third? Evans said during the ribbon-cutting ceremony. And a fifth? Rodriguez, who would become one of the court's first participants, may have blown that second chance in record time. I mean... So... I... Here's what happened. His first case was he was, police came to a call November 15th of shots fired from a newer model SUV. The car crashed. He climbed out of the car, ran a short distance, returned to the car, grabbed a handgun from the passenger side, and then ran away again. Oh, shit. He forgot my gun. Right. He then said, threw gun under a car. Oh, shit. They're going to catch me with a gun. Of course, in Cook County, the car was stolen. But they couldn't charge him with it because in Cook County you can just get criminal trespass the vehicle because Cook County is a fucking bunch of idiots. So he then went to court and where they did this fucking pussy-ass court system restorative justice program. And of course this guy took it so seriously he's back on the street with a gun. So I, I thought that was you know a big slap in the face to these libs that want to do this kind of shit because it ain't working. He should be doing time. You know, period. I, I could, I, I can see where they're again. No, I'm gonna try to play devil's advocate a little bit. Because, Go ahead, be, devil. Because if we just agree with each other, it's not going to be a very interesting show. <laughs> yeah. No, I like to hear the other point of view. So, I could see like, hey, yeah, this kid grew up in a gang neighborhood. You know, maybe gang family. So maybe he doesn't know any. You know, he doesn't know any different. So we give him a second chance. What you should be doing, though, is you fuck up again within a certain period of time. That would be, like, say, more than 36 hours. Like, kind of like probation, almost. Um, you screw up again. Not only are you going to deal with a fresh charge, but we're going to bring back this, you know, four-gun uh, charge case. And you're going to do the whole thing like mandatory minimum sentencing 
I mean, I think that gives enough carrot and stick to maybe get buy-in from people. I don't think it would work anyways. Cause I'm I don't think it would anyways. either. I think you would see a greater but, success rate than just saying, okay, do you promise to not do this again? Yeah, I promise. Okay. We're going to completely drop the charges. And 36 hours later, he's doing the same shit. So, Right. All right. Shit bag. Okay. Uh, something out of California I liked. San Diego Councilman San wants Diego. city. San Diego. San Diego and San Diego on. San Diego. To cover lifelong medical care for retired canines. Oh. Currently, families who adopt the dogs must cover all medical expenses, which can be substantial. Yeah, good for him. I like that guy. What's his name? Yeah. What's his name again? I'll tell you right now. San Diego Council Member Chris Kate, Charles Adam Tom Edward. Chris Kate, wants you're the a good city's dude. police dogs to get the same kind of lifelong health care benefits that human police officers get. He says these dogs are faithful public servants and countless lives have been saved and preserved due to their efforts. I mean, let's the face it, they are dog, good boys. They are. The police dog is an athlete. Like all athletes, over time, the activities take a toll on the body. So that's the gist of it. Right now, they have 36 police dogs in the past, have had as many as 52 10 years ago. We had there a, is a nonprofit, San Diego Police Canine Association, that tries to help with the costs. That's awesome. That, which is very cool. Kate previously led the council's public safety committee. His father was a California Highway Patrol officer. Okay, there we go. And the National Dog, the National Police Dog Foundation also gives grants to for police dog medical care to law enforcement agencies and people who adopt retired police dogs. So that was a story that caught my eye because it was pretty cool. Yeah. We actually have a lieutenant, he would say in briefing, uh, especially on like Friday and Saturday nights when like the bars downtown are going to be hairy. He goes, hey, remember, remember two things. Y'all are y'all are pro athletes, and they point to this badge, and he goes, "And this badge don't say punk ass bitch." <laughs> <laughs> nice, I like that. He's a col- he's a colorful guy. I like him. I wish he'd come Good back. Good words to of wisdom there. <laughs> he's he's left you. No, he's in investigations now. I wish he'd come back to the streets. Yeah, he left patrol. I know. I want him to come back. Maybe you should write a petition. I would. All right. Every time sure. I see him, I go, when you come back to the street, let's go. You need to go. Hey, I begged my lieutenant who just retired, I begged him to come back to the street yeah. for years. You tell him, because he always calls his baton. He goes, hey, I'm going to take no shit stick. Nice. <laughs> he's just, he's so old. And for those of you who are like, it sounds like your stereotypical white cop. Like, he's about as dark as Wesley Snipes, so shut up. <laughs> nice. My One of my favorite stories with my former sergeant, who's then lieutenant com- and then commander and retired, my buddy Eddie, who I've referenced in the past on the show, he, we went to a call for some guy in the woods causing trouble or some bullshit. So we're, we had four guys. We separated. I'm with Ed. The other two guys are on the other side of the forest preserve. And we're just walking. It's nighttime. We got our flashlights out. And he goes, I think we're separated from our group. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Okay, he he pulls his gun out. He goes, should I fire a round off in the air so they know where we're at? And I'm like, he was completely pulling my chain, but I thought he was serious. <laughs> I'm like, what? He goes, I'm just fucking with you. 
He put his gun back in his holster. (laughs) I miss Ed. All right. Well, it's time to stop laughing and get serious for a few minutes. All right. Unfortunately. Time for everyone's weekly dose of depression. Yes. We are going to discuss the fallen officers of the week. And luckily, we only have a few to speak about. So the first one, Branch County Sheriff's Office in Michigan, Corrections Deputy Kevin Kakanis, end of watch Sunday, August 22nd, 2021, from COVID-19. Corrections Deputy Kevin Kakanis died from complications as a result of contracting COVID-19 while working at the Branch County Jail. He served 22 years. He is survived by his wife, three sons, six grandchildren, and two brothers. He was 61 years old and in his 22nd year of duty. The second one, Trooper James J. Monda, New York State Police, end of watch, Sunday, August 22nd. Trooper James Monda drowned while conducting a training dive in the Great Sekandaga Lake in Northampton, New York, at approximately 4 p.m. He failed to resurface after going into the water at a boat launch on Bunker Hill Road. He was working a Marine Patrol detail on the lake when the incident occurred. Trooper Monda had served with the New York State Police for 18 years and was assigned to S.P. Princetown. He is survived by his fiancée and parents. He was 45 years old. Detective Manuel Chris Widner of the Paris Police Department in Texas. End of watch, Sunday, August 22nd. Detective Chris Widner died from complications of contracting COVID-19 while performing his duties as an investigator. Detective Widner served with the Paris Police Department for 11 years. He is survived by his wife and son. 47 years old, 11 years and 3 months of service. His badge number was 2435. And Deputy Sheriff Christopher Broadhead of the Polk County Sheriff's Office in Florida. End of watch Monday, August 23rd, 2021. Deputy Sheriff Christopher Broadhead died from complications as a result of contracting COVID-19 in the line of duty. Deputy Broadhead served with the Polk County Sheriff's Office for 10 years. He is survived by his wife and five children. He was 32 years young, had served 10 years, and his badge number was 7473. So a prayer goes out to all of those families this week. All right. 
no canines. So that was good. All right, we have Heroes of the Week, once again, just doing one. We're moving up the, <laughs> moving up the list. Uh, and we do have a Badass of the Week. So they could actually be the same if you'd like. No, we Let's make it the same. Okay, go for it. Let's make it the same. There is a video that goes with this. So you can you guys can see it at police1.com. With seconds to spare, NYPD cop pulls man from subway tracks. And that guy was not helping at all. The train is now approaching the station, the loudspeaker says. Moments later, the subway platform is in chaos. Oh no. Byline New York, hello. Three people including an NYPD officer, are standing on the subway tracks when the cool voice of the loudspeaker says, The train is now approaching the station. The subway platform is in chaos. Hurry up! Oh, God! The bystander Help says. Him. Help him! Up, up, up! Someone else shouts. You can practically hear the seconds ticking away. On Thursday, NYPD shared cell phone video of the dramatic rescue, which quickly racked up thousands of likes. Because that's important nowadays when you have social media. Don't forget to like, share, and review. That's right. When a sick strap hanger lost... Now, I'm reading this verbatim. Okay? <laughs> I thought a guy fell on the tracks, but I'm apparently... this verbatim. I'm not having a stroke, I promise. <laughs> when a sick strap hanger lost consciousness and fell on the subway tracks in the Bronx, NYPD transit officers didn't hesitate for a moment to put his safety ahead of their own. That's what the agency wrote on Twitter. I don't know what a strap hanger is. No clue what it is, but the first thing that popped into my mind when I saw this was that um, that Thor meme because that's what heroes do. In the video, a man is seen laying across the tracks and appears disoriented. An officer, later identified by ABC7 as Lupin Lopez. Officer Lopez jumps down to help. With the help of a good Samaritan, apparently who has no name, Lopez pushes the ill man up onto the platform. The train is just rounding the corner as Lopez and the good Samaritan are pulled to safety. The whole station breaks into applause. Yay! Oh, wrong one. <laughs> uh, here we go. Clapping. Oh, I can't. I can't. That's no. That's sad there music. We there we're we still go. playing Yay. the sad music. Okay. Yay! That that's from the whole platform there that was watching. Uh, it's a pretty cool video, and the train it actually. Is. I thought it was over um, overstated and overblown and stuff, but the train actually, as soon as they get up off the platform, the train comes around the corner. So yeah, and then like they. It's not like it wasn't like out of a movie where like they get off of the tracks as, as the train's the train going by. Comes by right. But it's close, close enough, enough for me. I probably would have. I, pr I probably would have pooped. Yeah. So if you guys get a chance to check out the video, uh, it's worth seeing. All right. So that concludes our law enforcement portion of the show tonight. Brandon's on a quick schedule. We're going to get out of here quick today. He's tired. Well, it's funny because every week, for like the last month and a half, we've said like, "Okay, look." It's usually Mike. He's like, "Look, man, I'm really tired." We gotta make this one a quick one. Two hours. Okay, later. fine. Yeah. And like, I think our last four episodes, every night he says that it's like every episode <laughs> is an hour thirty plus, or two hours. <laughs> the last one, or yeah, two hours. It actually went fast so. though, because I've listened twice, and it's actually a good listen. Yeah, it's a good one. I was listening to it last night. 
That's funny. Were you pausing uh, it when you got out of the squad? Yes. I All was right. like reaching down to my Apple Watch, like, pause it. <laughs> See? You can make time to pause it. Yeah, because I didn't have any hot calls because I was back working on the west side of the city for the night. West side! <laughs> I had all the rich people. So uh, I don't have any shop stuff because, you know, I haven't been in the shop in a month. I... Oh, I do have one thing. I showed you on Instagram. A friend of mine who's a firefighter wants me to engrave a sign for him. So it's he just wants like 8 by 10 or maybe 8 by 11. And it's uh, a saying. Hold on. I have it right here. Uh, it says, of all the paths you take in life, make sure a few of them are dirt. And then his wife drew some pictures of mountains, and I think they're pine trees. They look like pine trees. Yeah, so then he showed me, he sent me an actual... Those are fine pines. Fine pines. I'm gonna, I am going to scan this into my HP scanner, and then I can import it into my Vectric VCarve software, and then bitmap trace it. And then I can engrave it on some wood. But he also sent me a picture of what he wants, what he thought he might want instead. And it's actually like there's a dirt bike going down a mountainside. I'm showing the camera. I'll actually just put a picture of it. Out of focus? Yeah, you know. (laughs) But anyways, um, it's pretty cool. So I think he would actually like this one that I'm showing on my phone. And not the one his wife drew, but I have to I have to verify that with him. So that's a project. And then like this week I'm only off tonight and last night, so I don't have any shop time. But next week I only work one night, and that's Thursday. I'm off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I go in Thursday night, then I'm off from fi- Friday, leave on vacation Monday the sixth. We're going to hike in Wyoming. And don't return till September 11th. And which reminds me, oh, that Friday the 3rd, we'll be doing our 9-11 uh, recording. And then I don't, don't go back till that Wednesday. So I've got a lot of time coming up. Even when I get back from my hike, where I'll be doing, uh, I'm going to get all the wood because I have five flags on order. I'm going to just batch out all the wood. And then I might tonight engraved the badge for this big flag I'm doing because I engraved it once. I did a test engraving, and I refigured everything how it should turn out. I've got a block of wood that's stained and ready to be engraved. I just haven't been down here to do it, and it's like an hour-long engraving. So I think I might just do that and worry about editing our podcast over the next three nights while I'm at work if I can go hide somewhere because I just want to get back in the shop. So Yeah. But that's basically all I have for shop stuff because I've, I haven't been down here. What are you, what are you moving on to in the house for uh, now? So I think we finally settled on a door design. Cool. So uh, we're going to have to figure out a good time to rent a pickup truck to go to Home Depot to get the plywood for it and all the hardware, which won't be this weekend. Um, so I started cleaning up my shop Sunday. Um, got most of it pretty much squared away, but we got these little, um, those like puzzle piece, like kind of foam mats to put around like the assembly table and stuff. Yeah. From Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. So we put, got, I got those all put down. Cool. Uh, got the laser mounted on the machine. Yeah. Laser. Laser. Got that mounted. Uh, so I, st- I still got to clean off my 
So I have my assembly table and outfeed table, and then I have like a little work workbench. So I got to clean up the workbench, and then uh, I've got a cutting board that I've been neglecting. Me too, since November. Yeah, but it's uh, it's one of those things that I was just building. I was just making it just to make it. Uh, so it's it's not like it's anything pressing. But uh, I have a buddy that just got married, so I think that's going to end up being like a wedding gift. Oh, cool. So, and then, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And then once we figure out when we want to go rent the truck, we're going to go we'll go pick up the plywood and stuff, and then I'll get working on the doors and check that off and then start grabbing stuff to make uh, cabinet doors. Nice. And start batching those out uh, here and there when I can because I know that we're I'm going to start uh, kind of opening up my goal is to have my. I'm gonna. I finally made the decision between website and Etsy shop. I'm gonna do an Etsy shop because you brought up a good point of, do I do enough online sales, to offset the cost? Which I don't think I will. So at least to start until I can build up that, kind of client base, uh, go through Etsy, and just I their prices just have to be a little bit higher to offset some of the costs, or some of the fees, that, that Etsy has. They're not actually that but, bad, but yeah, it's funny it, that it's you like said nickel that. and diamond, yeah. Yeah, I especially once you start adding, like I have forty items on there mm-hmm. at twenty cents a listing. You know what I mean? It, that stuff adds up. Yeah, but I just watched a video last night from Brad at Fix This Build That, and it was on how to sell cutting boards to make money. I don't. I was just killing time, and I missed watching some of his content. But he mentioned that he wouldn't be on Etsy. And he would rather do a website because when you do a search on Etsy for cutting board, there's like 56,000. I mean, just an extraordinary amount. Whereas if you use Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, and your social media on Instagram to direct people towards your your website, you might have more success. So I'm still on Etsy and will be until I finally change my business name, you know, shortly. Yeah. Um, Remember I showed you my... New logo. I'm going to be switching over to Marazzo Woodworking. But Danny at work made a point. He's like, why do you still have a a moon in your logo? Even though it's a crescent moon and it's got the wood grain on it. He goes, you're not going to be doing stuff at midnight anymore. And well, I it's thought, an homage to the beginning. I thought so too. And he goes, I didn't even think it was a moon. It just looks like the actual logo is creeping over into a circle behind it, which is actually made of wood. That's what he thought it was. He didn't think it was an actual crescent moon with a wood hmm. grain on it. So I don't know. I might need some more I advice. like it. Okay. So you're going to be doing doors and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I looked at prices for uh, plywood yesterday it's talking with a down. friend. Oh, my God. It's, it's going made, down. made a huge difference. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. Now was the time. The, yeah. Because I, when I bought the plywood for the uh, for the pantry, it was for birch plywood. It was like seventy seventy six for three quarter inch full wow. sheet. Um, a couple weeks later, maple ply three quarter inch full sheet was sixty. Okay, so I like maple it's, ply. It's trending the yeah, I do too. Um, I like the birch plywood though. I, I, I really, like I mean, even though we painted it, I, I really like the way it looked. Now Home Depot does that, um, no flamaldehyde plywood. 
that the that birch, I think it's the Baltic birch, is no flamaldehyde, which is obviously better for your home. Yeah. I didn't know this that like regular plywood has formaldehyde in it, and then those chemicals constantly seep out and get into the air and cause cancer. Huh. So the Baltic well, birch, pure bond, Baltic birch plywood, no formaldehyde. So it's better for your home. I I think that's the one I bought. I okay. hope that's the one I bought. Yeah. <laughs> I did so. look at your page and saw your finished um, area there. Yeah, I ended up having to adjust and put a face frame on it. Okay. But worked out nice. I liked I'm really happy with how it came out. Yeah, it looks good. Um I actually had a question for you. Okay. Regarding the woodworking stuff. Well not so much woodworking, but I guess your social media presence and influencer status. <laughs> yeah, okay. So well, because I think a lot of people, especially those that listen to the show, right? We all Who's going to turn down free shit, right? Right. Um, I know that's some people, like, they get into the social media aspect of it with the hopes of, like, hey, somebody sends, sends me some free stuff. Like, I, like, signed up to be a brand rep through uh, Diablo, and they sent me a bunch of their SandNet stuff, which is fantastic. Cool. Fantastic product. So how did you go about getting, like, you just got free masks? Well, yeah, the schmuck like me <laughs> paid for them. So how do you, how do you approach business, or do they approach you? They approach me like uh, Duranit for their firm grip gloves, mm-hmm. and you mentioned the mask company that just sent me um, some masks. They reached out to me and said that they found my profile on Instagram. I don't know if that's true, but probably um, I'm on there, but I don't have yeah. like forty thousand followers or anything. But they uh, reached out to me and asked if I would give an honest review if they sent me their product, if I would wear it, try it, and then give an honest review on my on my Instagram page. And I'm like, yeah, send it. Because I'll try anything. And if I don't like it, I'm probably still going to say it's okay. <laughs> I'll tell you. It's I'll, not complete I'll, dog shit. I'll but. tell the podcast people that listen, but I'll show pictures of it being used. If they were nice enough to send me their product, um, I'll be nice enough to give it a review. So... But that's and then that um, last year I did a com- like a basically a thirty second commercial for Reuse Zip, which is a product where you put plastic over an opening somewhere in your house. You put yeah. this Velcro zipper on it, you cut it, and then you can open and close the door when you're doing construction and stuff. They sent me, holy crap, tons of stuff to try, and it was right at the time I was remodeling the uh, hallway bathroom. So I did a thirty second like basically commercial for them. With that, so nice. people sometimes go, "What are you doing that for?" If they're nice enough to send me free stuff, I'm going to use it and I'm going to pay them back by actually promoting it on my Instagram. Yeah, page. it's only fair because that was something I've always been curious about. Of like, I'm one of those. Like, I don't want to come across like you know asking for a handout from like a company of like, "Oh, hey, I'd love to you know review your product." But I was curious of, do you reach out or do others reach out to you? Haven't you, reached out yet. When you when you use a product like before you're like writing a review or anything like that. Are you tagging every company that you use? If I, you know, I do tag the stuff that I do use Diablo blades and Laguna, all those things. I tag everything that I use. And then I've only had one giveaway, but because I've tagged all these companies in my giveaways, I then went to them and said, Hey man, I'm having a giveaway. 
I use your products. I tag you often. Yeah, okay, we'll send you something for the giveaway. So that yeah. has worked in that way. Yeah, that's I did that with um I think the two I think I've only done two giveaways that I've done. Like I've reached out reached out to Starbond. Um Driverback's always been great. And um Titebond. They're always Yeah. Fantastic. They're always game yeah. to to help out the community. Because I think they I think they realize one, it's free advertisement. But two Use the shit out of their products. Oh yeah, I, and I didn't know any of these things three years ago, obviously, because I didn't even know what Instagram was. So yeah, it's been a learning process for me, and I I am slowly growing. It's funny, I don't know how sometimes some of these other Instagram pages just explode. I don't I don't know what the algorithm is. I'll be curious to see that when I actually start posting normal business hours during the day. Yeah, if it makes a difference. Yeah, I don't know. I think I saw the biggest growth on my page um, right after I won a giveaway. Yeah, because your name was being out there and people were following you? Yeah, it was like a 4,000 follower giveaway or something like that. Okay. And I, I got lucky and, and one, it was the first one I had entered. Cool. And then like I just exploded. Yeah. And then and that's when I've seen the biggest growth is when I enter and win a giveaway. That's when I'll see a lot of growth uh, on my page because I've been, I think I've been pretty stagnant in the 1600 range for probably about six months. Mine fluctuates. It's still every, every day I'm picking up a couple more, but um, I haven't posted anything on Instagram in like 10 days, maybe even, maybe even two weeks. Cause I haven't been in the shop to post any content. Yeah. And they, they say you need to keep posting, you know, cause then you're, you're getting in the feed and the algorithm picks it up and but since I haven't been posting anything, I'm actually still picking up a few here and there. So and there's something about a ten day rule as well, where your posts from ten days ago don't do anything anymore. I don't know. I hmm. haven't looked into it. Uh, there are people like Mike Coffee who pays attention to the algorithm and all that well, stuff. Well, even he's said several times he's like nobody knows how, how Instagram works. Because they're they had been talking about uh hashtags on their show. Yeah. And how they go about it, and they go, you know, I honestly like no nobody really knows how it works because they all three have different ways of doing it, and right, and different levels of success. Yeah. So I still use hashtags. I follow some hashtags, and I think I think for me, half hashtags have worked, bringing new new followers. Yeah, I've actually seen uh, some follow at least page visits. I'm not getting follows out of it, but page visits. From tagging uh, the town I'm in. Oh, I thought about doing that as well. Or the, at so. least the zip code. Yeah. So, you know, and you can add like a location tag. Right. I'll I'll add the town I'm in. Yeah. And that I use seems Chicago so I usually metropolitan get, like, area because I yeah. don't really want people to know where I live. Yeah. Maybe when I'm out of law enforcement, I won't give a shit. It's okay. Mo- most of the people that live in my town are cops. Yeah. So you're okay. <laughs> you're like, you live in cop land. I really do. Yeah. Like from like Monterey County, Santa Cruz County, San Benito, Santa Clara. Like they all like this is like the one place that we can all afford to yeah, live. That's cool. That's cool. We do have a question of the week. I was gonna say, don't we have a question? We do. For those of you who remember Dave Franklin of five sixteen Woodworks of last week's question, he sent another one. And because no one else is sending us questions and his his question's a really good one, we're gonna play it again. At least that's the plan. We'll see if it works. 
Sometimes it just cuts out. So either way, you'll get to hear it. Here we go. What's going on, guys? David from 516 Woodworks here. I guess I'm famous now that uh, my question got played on a internationally famous podcast. So on my way home, finally getting off, um, I guess I should say finally getting off of work, um, how do you guys manage your time between your full-time job and your woodworking? Do you have like a whiteboard up on your garage? Basically, all I do, whiteboard, double-sided tape to the front of my garage in order to keep track of everything. Do you guys use a uh, spreadsheet or some sort of an app? How do you keep track of all those orders, trying to figure out if there's a better way besides three columns of potential orders in progress and stuff to be delivered? Anyways, you guys be safe out there. Definitely has been a lot of fallen officers praying for all of you and law enforcement and first responders. Stay f- safe this week, and I look forward to hearing your podcast here soon. So I'll first of all, let me say that Nelson sent a response as well because he's in our group. He's involved in the show. So uh, Nelson said he, too, uses a whiteboard, and he keeps notes on his phone. However, he quotes, I do seem to take on too much and always have fallen behind. It's mainly because I get to find the work, his work, full-time work, then military and the workshop. His baby life balance is what hinders him. I, on the other hand, I added a whiteboard to my shop. I'm looking at it right now. I have current jobs, upcoming jobs, shop projects, flags, all sectioned off on there. And then I realize sometimes that I don't work at, look at that board because I have a notes app on my phone like everybody. And anytime I get a new order for flags or whatever, I put it on a running job list order on my phone. And sometimes, especially for the flag ones, I have a dedicated flag note page. I print that out and I post it right next to my miter saw station with all the flags I have to do. So as I'm working on them, I can mark them off. And I have an Excel spreadsheet of in-progress jobs, orders that and they're all color coded yellow is these are orders that need to be addressed blue are currently working gray are done and delivered so i use all of my resources to make sure i stay uh, organized i do pretty much the same thing uh i don't have a whiteboard out in my shop what i did was i took a piece of printer paper and laminated it (laughs) um over the course of the holiday season last year and i would have my running list of like name, who it was, and where where I was in it. Like, hey, I need to go buy lumber for this one. This one's being stained. This one's, you know, uh, completed. Just needs final assembly. This one needs to be shipped. Oh, and all that. Um, what I found is really crappy at updating it. <laughs> um, so I did kind of the same thing where I'd have a running list on my phone. Uh, I do have an Excel spreadsheet that I'll have who it is. I see, I think, I think the rest of you guys are, have way more business than I do. Um, I try a, a lot like Nelson. I try to really balance family, my job, and then the stuff out in the workshop. The whole reason I started doing the woodworking was as a way to decompress, not to add stress. Right. And <laughs> I have added. Stress. So, and, and I, I totally did last, uh, the last holiday season. 
because I, I had no clue what I was in for. So, like, I've been doing this for about a year. I think I just posted something to Instagram uh, just a couple days ago. Like, it, it's been one year since I had my first uh, commission built to build a bar. And so to to do that around this time of the year and then roll straight into the holiday season was um, uh, <laughs> eye-opening. So I feel I'm a yeah. little bit better prepared um, this year to where I'm going to actually have a hard cutoff date. And then I'm going to dedicate one day a week to updating uh, the Excel spreadsheet, the notes thing, uh, kind of keep a, a better handle on what I have going, what's in process, what I need to go get. Like if it's a cutting board, you know, do I pay the increased prices over at like Home Depot and Lowe's or do I just order from Forest to Home and then have to factor in lead time? to get lumber shipped to me. So, but I found the Excel spreadsheet works pretty well. And now what I use that um, laminated piece of paper for is like what I'm doing that day. Okay. Like, okay. Like, Hey, I need to plane down this cutting board, do my cuts so I can do the ingrain glue up. And then I need to sand this. I need to stain that. I need to finish this. I, uh, sometimes don't look at my list because I have, I'm supposed to be doing a frame for my buddy's Taekwondo certificate. I've got, you know, a cutting board from the last November I'm supposed to be doing. Um, I, <laughs> what happens is I end up getting the flags are my main business, I guess. Right. Unfortunately, cause I don't, well, they're your bread and butter. They're my bread and butter. Uh, I am for those of you listening, I'm approaching 100 flags made. Now for some people that's not a lot cause they do just, they crank out flags and bring them to shows and stuff. I don't make a flag that's not already for a customer. I want Same. to. Next year, we have a huge, on Sunday mornings at the Allstate Arena in the parking lot, there's a huge flea market. And they people start lining up at like 3 or 4 in the morning. I want to start doing that when I'm no longer doing this job. So then I'll make cutting boards, flags, cornhole boards and stuff for stock that I can bring to a flea market, right? But for now, you order a flag, it goes on a list, I make it. So my point was, I'm going to be selling my 100th flag soon. I'm in the like mid-90s now. Whoever orders that 100th flag, I'm not going to tell anybody who it is, they get it for free. I don't care what size it is. I don't care if it has LEDs. It could be a $250 flag because my flags go up to like $275. Mm-hmm. It will be a free flag for that person, and I will That's make awesome. I'll make that announcement on Instagram uh, at some point, and see if I can drive up you know a little bit, few more orders. But um, I also use that Excel spreadsheet for my finances because I I put in how much each product is that I make, what I'm charging that person, and if they've paid me not or if it's been delivered yet. I have all those columns as well. So it helps me keep a running total of how much money I've made so far since I started this. Yeah. I think that's one thing I'm going to change about um, the way I do business. Because before I always, because I was so new at doing this, um, I was only charging people like, hey, like this is what the price is going to be. I require essentially the cost of materials up front. That way if they flaked out, I'm not out the money it took to buy the material. Going forward, 
I'm going to require payment in full to start. I do that for strangers, but for people I know, I don't even take any money. I make it, then I just, then I give it to them. So I'm out the money if, right off the beginning, but I haven't had a problem yet with anybody. Yeah. So. I, I think with like people, people you know, like that's one thing. Like, right. I have someone that's been a repeat customer time and time again that she pays when she picks up. Um, Etsy sales, though, is, they have to pay for your, before you even make yeah. it, which is good. Yeah, but I think even people that have that order through like Facebook or Instagram or something like that, like going forward, it's going to be like, look, the price of this product is X, and to get on the list, you must pay X. There you go. So, because it too, it was getting to be too much where people would, um, they would pay their deposit, but then like, hey, you need to pay this part because the way I would do it. The way I do it now currently is like it's going to be X. You owe half up front, and then whatever the final, whatever the remaining balance is plus shipping, if if it has to be shipped. Yeah, if you have to ship it. Um, and then now I, I learned something the hard way when I delivered the the dowel table. If like I need to charge a delivery fee if I'm going to deliver it, because essentially I made no money on that. Right and. Brian just posted in his stories, he delivered a big table and he actually charges now a delivery fee where he used to do it for free. Yeah. But it's taken up hours of your day. Well, yeah. Well, for so me, I don't have a truck. you compensating yourself. Yeah. You'd have to rent a truck. Yeah. So I had to rent a, a U-Haul pickup, drive it out, drive it up to where it was right. being delivered. Yeah. Come back, fill it up and then return it, it kind of worked out because I had to go pick up plywood for the pantry, so I just kind of killed two birds with one stone. But, but essentially, I, I, all my profits went to right. paying for that truck. Yeah. So I essentially did it, did that table at cost. And you have to actually think of that then as an advertising cost for you because someone's going to mm-hmm. see that table in that home and ask, hey, where'd you get that? And it may be, it may help you acquire some more customers. Yeah. That's how I look at stuff. I just gave away 10 bottle openers to two different golf outings. Now, my bottle openers aren't expensive. It, it might have cost me, that's about a $400 investment for me, just giving mm-hmm. them away. But on each bottle opener on the back, I printed out a sheet, uh, just an, on the computer, an 8.5 by 11 piece of paper that had my logo. It said it had all my Instagram stuff, YouTube stuff, and it had a code that they can enter into Etsy to get 20% off an order if they, if they order before September 26th. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we'll see if I get any customers out of that. But my, when I went to the golf outing for my previous police department, I was there and one of my former coworkers won two of my bottle openers in a basket we gave away. (laughs) So he's already a customer. And then my friend Roger at the police department I work now, he went to the other, golf outing I was telling you about because I was on vacation he ended up he put all his tickets into the basket for the bottle openers and then won like three of them <laughs> so <laughs> not going to get any orders from him I don't think but maybe he'll pass them along to friends you know yeah, well, word of mouth and yeah and all that yeah so all right do you have anything else no no okay let's let's, let's get out of here <laughs> no not very dramatic no nah. no nah. I'm good. No I'm words done. of wisdom this week. Nope. Mean what mean what you say. Mean what you say. Okay. And say what you mean. 
All right. Very nice. And in the absence of leadership, lead. Yeah. All right. I know. I got philosophical this week. I'll go back to like regular, like kooky branded next week. All right. No, it's good. Actually, no, because we're doing the 9-11 next week. Tribute next week <laughs> with uh, JP from the Thin Blue Line Radio. Sorry, guys. Bear, bear with us for like two weeks, and then we'll go back to funny stuff. Yeah, hopefully. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember, new episodes of the Handcuffs and Sawdust podcast are released every Wednesday at midnight on Central Standard Time, 10 p.m. West Coast, 1 a.m. East Coast. That's when they goes live. If they have a question brandon that they would like to send where could they send that send your audio files to handcuffs and sawdust podcast at gmail.com or if you just want to type it out send it to mike at mm midnight maker you can send it to me at full house woodworking or you can send it to the show page at full house or excuse, oh boy going off the rails see how you're promoting your show your own page yep there. yeah i know i've got to get my numbers up i want to get to 2000 yeah or you could send it to the show's page at Handcuffs and Sawdust Podcast. Also, leave reviews on Apple. Shoot us up the charts. Yes, and now that I've finally fixed the show description and everything else, that all the issues I was having with that, for whatever reason, I'm a boob, I'm old, I don't know how to do it, um, it's all fixed. So I've had numerous people check. It's proper. You can now follow or subscribe leave a review that would help us tremendously. And I think it's only Apple Best, that does that. Funniest review. I will send you a prize pack at the end of September. Nice. So nice. there's only one review. It's not very funny. <laughs> not, nah, but so it's, I don't it's know, a good one. So I don't know if it's going to get a prize pack. <laughs> right, we have to put but a stipulation on it. Any new reviews? Yes. New reviews from... August 26th on, best one, funniest one, most obscure one, will get a prize pack from me. Very nice. Thank you very much for doing that, Brandon. I have nothing to offer at the moment. And before we leave, yes, a very, very happy birthday to my mommy. Oh, happy birthday. It's I thought birthday you were going to say happy birthday to my son, which was yesterday. It's 27. Huh. Well, happy birthday to him, too. But today is actually my mom's birthday, so happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Mom. Hope she had cake. Did she have cake? I hope so. I don't know. I say no cake at my birthday. It's pies only. Be safe in the shop and on the street. Pies on. Peace. Gooses. <laughs>